0: Hey, morning, Kevin. Morning, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good. It's a bit cooler this morning, so uh, it's a bit nicer in the office.
1: Yeah, this week
0: has been... I love the sun, but it's been quite tough to work, certainly in the afternoons. Exactly. Yeah, we shan't be complaining about the weather, but no, it's just been a bit difficult. Yeah. So this week, we're going to talk about... I've written down some notes. So prioritising time. So this is about if you spend time on the kind of £1,000 per day tasks and not the £100 per day tasks... Or 10 pounds a day tasks, the business moves forward. And it's got a number of different elements to it. So I've just kind of got four bullet points that I'll just like kind of talk through now. And then let's have a discussion about it. The kind of first thing I wrote down was, you know, what can you do, you know, as the owner, as the chief exec, that moves the business forward by, say, a thousand pounds per day of revenue or profit that someone else can't do. Yeah. And as a way of prioritizing, whether you're a one person of agency startup, or you know, 50 million, it's the same,
1: yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just a different scale, and a different speaking of different scale. I think our title was a thousand pound an hour, <laughs> so, uh, right? Okay, but yeah. it, it's how do you do that stuff that has high value? And that's the example of the scale. How do you go from a thousand pound a day to a thousand pound an hour to ten thousand pound an hour, know <laughs> whatever you
0: but you're right, it's a journey. You might start at like, well, it's a hundred pound a day because you're a one person band, and then it's a thousand pound a day, and then it's a thousand pound an hour, and then it's ten thousand pound an hour. As you get bigger, it's just how do you focus on the on the things that can generate the maximum amount of value for your business? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of the opportunity cost, I guess, of not doing things as well. So
0: yeah, where are you focus that in the right way. So the second one was building a team of expert freelancers, specialists to move things forward faster and then budget for them ongoing. And we'll unpack that in the kind of discussion. But I now have, I think I've got, I'm up to about six people now that do bits of work for me on a kind of ongoing basis because it's the stuff that I mean, they're no good at, I don't enjoy or is lower value stuff. And it allows me to focus on the higher value stuff. Yeah. The third thing is I wrote down kind of just like three phrases Outsource, automate, or stop. Yeah. And again, we'll talk a lot about that. Because I think often as entrepreneurs, we drag ourselves into the weeds rather than stepping back and saying, can I outsource this because I need it? Can I automate it? Or should I just stop doing it because it's not adding any value? And I interviewed someone a while ago, and he was talking about a guy called Damian Horner, who's very talented. And he talked about system A and system B thinking. Most of the time, 95% of our time, we're in system A, repeating the things we always do because we're human beings and it's behavioural. The ability to stop and think differently, and it often requires someone with you that's got a very different, diverse perspective to challenge your thinking, can make a radical difference to your business.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, There's a book, like an audio book that I've um, started listening to, and I'll dig out the title because it's quite uh, actually I haven't got my phone maybe maybe we'll put it in like the the show notes afterwards but yeah the the whole concept is around thinking time if you don't reflect then how do you know if that's useful or not exactly yeah I think that's really important and key and there's definitely some points to go back on there that we could dig into in a bit more depth but no I do think it's it's vital
0: yeah and then the last thing I had which is something that we've talked about many, many times. It's talked about in the supper club. Every entrepreneur talks about it. Not many succeed in doing it all the time, but this is all about focusing more on the business and less in the business. Yeah. And, you know, this whole topic about prioritizing time is if you can prioritize four hours a week to think about working on the business and how you grow the business and the future of the business rather than, delivering work or talking to a client or talking to your team, you know, whatever it is, you've got to be able to delegate tasks to free up time and then ring fence that time for working on the business. Absolutely. I think that's key. I think it's its not always, well, actually
1: it is working on business, but I think some of the things, if we go back to the episode we had on the how to become a clockmaker as opposed to a time teller, one thing yeah. that I'm conscious of right now is, I'm spending a lot more time about how do we build the right systems as opposed to how do I do the tasks because like you always say, get to the root cause. Because otherwise you end up you've just got all of these never-ending tasks to do. And again, like from a productivity perspective, work is never done. I don't get to the end of any day and think, oh, I'm finished now. I've got nothing to do tomorrow. (laughs) That (laughs) I can't remember. My box is clear. I don't know if that's ever happened. And but you have to find a point in time where it's like done enough for today i've achieved what i wanted to do today i'll come back to whatever i want to achieve tomorrow but yeah i think there's definitely something in that how do you start to delegate and how do you set up the right system as opposed to always being on the here's another task and I email's really hard for this i think just getting lost in an inbox there's more and more messages and demands of your time that are not necessarily yeah. the things that you want to focus on it's other people asking things of you i think for me that's actually the The biggest thing for for me this year, personally, of just like, how do you spend that time on building the engine as opposed to being a part
0: of how that all works? And not even just building it, Kevin, but designing and building it, you know, spending time designing and building the right engine rather than constantly trying to fix something that's broadly broken is much more valuable. Yeah, absolutely. So just kind of what's your experience of kind of like this whole topic? So where have you got some examples of you know, where you've shifted your time to the much higher value stuff and you've managed to find ways of automating or outsourcing or stopping the lower value stuff.
1: Yeah, I think all of this is like an evolution, isn't it? It's not like I've cracked it now, but at the same time, I think I've evolved and I'm better at this than I used to be. I think email is one of those where I definitely used to be guilty of, like, my day is driven by my inbox. And quite often it's even whatever's the last email I've received is the next thing I do. So it almost feels like I'm quite easy to manipulate in that way. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just keep bugging me, I'll get it done. And I don't think that's the way I should operate. I think it should be very much, what are my priorities? So actually just writing a list of these are the most important things to do this day. And then yep. I do that. And if someone's chased me five times, I don't care. They can chase me six or seven times. If it's not at the top of my to-do list, I, might, I probably would send them a I like holding message of yes, I'll get back to you on this by Sunday or whatever. But I think for me, it's trying to take it out of that email and delegate. So, or, or at least there's a lot that can be taken from um, GTDs to get things done that I used to use quite a lot and still do to a certain extent. But I think when something comes into you, you make a decision over do you delegate it? If it takes two minutes or less, just do it. And if it takes longer and it's a bigger project, schedule it and maybe even map out key different milestones underneath making it happen. But I do also find there's a flaw in the system, certainly in the way that I've used it. Maybe there's people that are more efficient at this in the prioritisation. Sometimes you can get lost in got 100 tasks to do. Where do I start? And if you start from the top and work your way down. <laughs> you might not get to the most important thing. So it's, it's back to, I've showed this before on a previous episode, but you got a frog out. You got your red frog. Yes, yeah. that eat that frog. What's the most important, most difficult thing of the day. Get that done first. Yeah. And my most successful days, or at least in my head where I feel most satisfied with what I've done are the days where I've done one thing really well and nailed it as opposed yeah. to when I've done 50 to a hundred things and felt maybe efficient, or I feel like I should be efficient. i I have that feeling of, uh, what have I really achieved today? I've just sent a load of emails. <laughs> I used Absolutely. to get that. I go on flights, and I kind of purposely, I knew if I got a flight on Friday, which hasn't happened for 18 months, um, yep. I would say, almost let my emails pile up, and it's like, well, I've got a flight. and want a plane for a couple of hours, so I, I'll, in offline mode, send a load of emails out whilst on that flight. I'll get off the flight feeling quite smug and satisfied that, oh, I've cleared my inbox. This is great. And on Monday morning, it's like, I've got 72 emails because they've all replied to me. (laughs) And I think that comes back to the, if you're always in task mode, yeah, that stuff does come back to you. But if you're in build a system mode and how do you delegate and make sure that the right people are looking at things, then it doesn't, then it's, you're, you're trying to build a system and build in rules where it's, not all of that has to come into you anymore. So it's yeah. like re-education of, okay, well, maybe I don't need every inquiry from our website to come into my inbox and all sorts of things
0: like that. I mean, three simple things that I've done in exactly that vein is on Outlook, there's a really simple feature, which is just called work offline. So you just open Outlook. So I'm an Outlook user, always have been. And you just go to the tab, you hit work offline, email, and it just stops your emails coming in. So if I'm working on something, I just like say, well, I'm I'm writing something like I'm writing something at the moment. So email is an interrupt driven system. And the brain is very loves interrupts. It loves being interrupted to pick something up because it's a bright, shiny new thing. And there's always something bright and shiny that pops into your inbox. And if your inbox is always on, you wait for something to happen. You wait for an interrupt. And then you go, oh, someone's emailed me. Interesting. What's that? Yeah. What's that about? So just working offline is one tactic. Secondly, I use Trello. So I've got a little Trello board of like little kanbans and it's great because there are about probably 70 tasks in there of which only 10 are actually really important and I've just color coded them green and the rest are white. So those get done. And then the third thing is is every, well not every day, but most days, like I think like you as well, I'll sit down and look at the the two or three days ahead and I'll plan in time and block it out madari my diary. So no one can book it because it's in Calendly it's shown as being busy. And secondly, that's my focus time to do things. Like this morning, I've got a client meeting at 11, and uh, they've sent me some uh, data in advance. So I spent an hour this morning early on, and that's all I've done. I've sat down, I've read it, I've written my notes, I'm prepared, and now I can move on to the other stuff that I'm doing. I think that scheduling
1: is really important. I think for me, there's a few things that I use as like, Maybe just systems, tools. And I think from a calendar perspective, I color code my diary. So I have yellow as a task, and I normally try to break out my morning so that I've got at least a couple of hours of thinking and doing time for the tasks that I need to do so that I can catch up. Green is phone calls, video calls. And I typically try to have most video calls in the afternoon, which isn't always possible, but in general, I've got control over that. And certainly if I've got a calendar link, it's only available for the afternoons. And then I've got, I think, red is an in-person meeting and blue is personal activities. Or I block out lunch as well, because sometimes that just gets filled up if I, don't, if I don't do that. But I think that's useful. I use a tool called SaneBox, which helps to automatically filter my emails. So it, anything that's a newsletter straight away gets put into its own folder. Anything I'm CC'd in gets in, put in a separate folder because it's like, I should probably glance at it, but I don't need to pay that much attention. So like client-based camp messages are a good example of normally the team takes care of all of that. So it's good to maybe exactly. oversee it, but I don't need to really pay that much attention as long as it's not addressed to me. And yeah, I think those type of systems work quite well. I'm trying to think there's another one with a calendar. One tip I had from a dinner, I went to a dinner with James Kahn, who used to be on the Dragon's Den. One thing he said, which I thought was really useful, is Every month, in hindsight, he reviews his previous month's calendar and scores the meetings that he had. And the reasons for that is in advance, you don't always know if that meeting is going to be a good one or a bad one. And I think as an entrepreneur, you're naturally optimistic and say, yeah, I meet with that person because this is is a, a good idea. But then you start to learn what are the trends of these kind of meetings that you have. And are they good or bad? And he even started to colour code, like, actually, what are the £1,000 an hour tasks versus the £100 an hour tasks? And then if you start to see that as a trend, you can start to figure out which ones do you delegate. And I think you can do it with your personal life as well. You can hire a cleaner, hire a gardener, whatever you want. To, like Some of those tasks that if you if you enjoy gardening, and it helps you to switch off and do it. But if you don't enjoy it, then spend your time doing something else that you work hard. So if that's a, I don't know how much gardener would charge, but if it's a £20 an hour task and it's something that you really are dreading, then
0: outsource it. Correct. Unless it's something that, I mean, we talked about this as well about creating relaxation time is that, you know, if that's your way of relaxing, if gardening's a way of relaxing, then that's great because spending maybe you know, if you're working from home these days, which obviously a lot of us are, Spending an hour in the garden, doing something, planting something, weeding something, if that allows you to switch out of a mode and then re-engage in another mode, then you know that's a really great and valuable thing to do. But it's making the choice. The key thing here is about you've got to make a choice and you've got to focus on the high value-added things that move your business forward. So, for example, I know in Resignal, yeah, one of the highest value activities that you get involved in is where you're engaging with the CMO of a FTSE 300 company or a private equity portfolio company. Exactly. And you're having that conversation with the CMO about emerging trends in e-commerce organic growth. Yeah. That's a massively high value conversation. It's rare we get those meetings. You're prepped for that meeting in advance. No one else in your team at the moment has got your level of experience to do that. So that's a really high-value activity. You'd never, like, say, I'm meeting the CMO of Sainsbury's tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Oh, I'll just wing it. That would be insane. Yeah. yeah. And that's an example of really high-value, £1,000 an hour or more activity that you carve out your diary for.
1: And it's, again, that value of the thinking time. It's how do you make sure you've got time to prepare and... That's the bit that I think is the scheduling that's really important, the things that you yeah. should do. And it's, if you think again of, is it the Eisenhower matrix, the one where it's kind of looking at the priorities of urgent, not urgent. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think the the challenge is...
0: It's the urgency, importance matrix. Exactly.
1: Yeah. The, the challenge I've always faced is how do you do the important, not urgent? So that could be right in yes. a blog post. Your like, thought leadership definitely falls into that for me. Definitely. It's not urgent. That blog post can wait another week and then it can wait another week and then it can wait another week. But if you don't Never do it, written. then you end up, oh, I'm just dealing with all of these tasks. But maybe I could be doing better tasks or getting our team even better to to do some of those tasks at a bigger scale if I was to do some of the important non-urgent tasks. It's how do you then, yeah, kind of set that line?
0: I mean, it's a good example, actually, on that. So... This morning, so I, you know, I write for the drum. I, right. I do a monthly column for the drum, and I, I'm, I'm writing I mean, it. and This one's taken me probably a day rather than half a day, which it normally takes. But A, it's got a cadence, because it's monthly, I have to do it, which is great, it's in my diary. But B, it's important. It's not urgent, but it's definitely important to continue the thought leadership piece. Yeah, and, and thought leadership is a good example that when you're in that
1: routine... I find writing really easy. When you're out of that routine, it's so hard to get back into it. So I think it's just keeping that consistency is really important.
0: And you talked about, Kevin, with the team, almost setting because the team's getting bigger and bigger as we grow. If each person was tasked with just every three months, write one high-quality blog, then in a year we'd have goodness knows how many. (laughs) But a lot, 60, 70, 80 blogs. That'd be high quality.
1: That's exactly what we just started doing because it's again, it's how do you spread that load and bring everyone else up. And I think that's the key thing for a business owner perspective. It's not about how to individually do you get better at your job 50% a year. It's about how do you make your team ten percent better each. And if you can do that, you're going to get so much further forward. That's the thing that I've learned. It's definitely not about I need to know absolutely everything about Google's algorithm and what's changed and network within the industry and etc cetera, etc cetera, and all things to ev- everyone yeah but the team between us we need to have that so absolutely and the most important stuff definitely i need to find a way to filter that up so that i i'm still on the ball but i don't need to know every single in and out because then i wouldn't be doing my job so it's that prioritization the quote i was going to say is that i had this at a conference from um can't remember his name but the ceo of grace.com and he said in order to grow by a third next year you need to find a way to give up 33% of your job that you did last year and I really like that and it's kind of like yeah of course those numbers won't map up but it like the the concept of you need to start to free up things that because it's it's that whole concept of what got you here won't get you there you've got to always think about there's always a next level and how do you break through and get to it
0: yeah, and that's I think a number of entrepreneurs they struggle with breaking through the million pound barrier, and there's a good reason for that. You know, getting to a million pound of revenue. I wrote an article about this uh, about five years ago now, and there are very very few entrepreneurial firms that get past a million pound of revenue because the entrepreneur it's not they can't, but they find it very hard to free up thirty percent of their stuff they did last year to turn it into. I'm going to be a 1.3 million, and then I'm going to be a 1.8 million, and then 2.5 million. Because unless you free up your time and delegate and have very strong leadership team below you and great delivery people, it's impossible. And most entrepreneurs, the reason it gets to a million is because broadly, most entrepreneurs can sell probably in a year, maybe two, 300Ks of the work. And so each year, you know, and then each year, after like eight years of running a business, you churn. So clients churn, so you lose churn decay, you sell churn decay, and you stand still, and you get to about a million, and it's the leaky bucket, and that's why they don't get past a million.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's an argument here, in fact, of how do you? Quite a lot of the work that I do, most of the work that I do is unbillable. So it's kind of yeah. how do you take your workload from being a thousand pound an hour to zero, but in a way that actually you know maybe in terms of capital, like real value that you're building in terms of the business as opposed to revenue, that's much more valuable. And I think that's actually how do you maybe sacrifice yourself in terms of your own output, but build up your team so that across the board, they're really strong.
0: And we're at that point now within Recycle of, you know, I mean, you've been the key kind of sales lead for many years, and that's now transitioning. We now have multiple people that are engaging with clients that you don't often know, and building proposals and winning work.
1: Exactly. Frankly, from their side, it's not really me they want to talk to, it's the team. Who's the, who are yeah. the people that are doing the work that there'll be faith and confidence that they're the ones that will get results? So if I can help the team in order to do great work, it's actually a
0: stronger pitch as well. Yeah. So you become the coach. And that's all about prioritizing time, prioritizing time to coaching rather than doing it. Because oh, and most people say, well, it'll take me twice as long to explain it to someone. I'll just do it myself. And one of my tips would be if you ever hear yourself in your mind saying that, stop. Yeah. If you can teach someone to fish, they'll feed themselves forever. Yeah. And that's our job. As leaders, our job is to help people develop. And then they'll do great work for us and others as they grow in their own lives. Yeah. I mean, I'm vegetarian, so I'm
1: quite difficult with that one, but <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise. Yeah, I, I get this. If you can teach <laughs> someone to grow... Parts and veg. Sweet potatoes. Yeah, yeah, they get um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But, um, but no, it works. So, yeah, no, I think the other story I was going to tell, actually, this is for a friend of mine. I think he knew someone that had a meeting with Jay-Z in New York. They went to this meeting. They were in the penthouse suite and having a good meeting. And then they heard something upstairs. And this guy was just like, there's, that's weird. And uh, Jay-Z was like, oh, yeah, no, there's someone that lives above. And it's like, wait, I thought we were in the penthouse suite. And he's like, we are in the penthouse suite, but there's another penthouse suite above that. And the point of the story was there's always another level and there's always, there's always somewhere else level. that you can get to. And you, once you think you've made it and you cracked it, you haven't, you can go further. There's more that you can do. You just need to change your mindset and just think about how do you get through that first point to the next point? And that's the whole thing with yep. the 1 million a year revenue sounds massive. And then you do it and then you're like, wait, why aren't we at two? And then it's, exactly, yeah, et cetera, and five, 10, hundred. How do you just keep thinking about who do we need to hire? Who do we need to bring in? And I think that's the thing. It's just you need to grow, but also let go. And I think that's yeah. kind of what we're talking about here is how do you let go of the stuff? In some cases that certainly from an entrepreneurial perspective, we've had clients in the past that they might have paid us 200 quid a month when we got started. And now it's like, well, really, we want clients that are paying us 10 grand a month. So we're always looking at, OK, well, we worked hard to get here. I don't want to turn that down because that's where we come from. You actually have to because that's it's all about growth. And you it's don't. about how do you take yourself on that journey that means that you are, in a, again, you know, again, you can still be humble with it. But it's just this is what we're good at. And this is where we excel. And here's our focus. So. I think it's just being really important and strict over what's that best use of your time, and
0: who do you want to be, where do you want to go, and how are you going to get there? Is that your because kind of, we're about at time? Is that your kind of summary of the this whole topic about how do you spend time on the thousand pound an hour task? I think it is. Yeah, I think that's the key thing. It's
1: if you've got that plan and that vision, and you know where you're going, it's so much easier to say no. And I think that's that's the thing. If, like the point we said before. Work is never done. But you just need to know where you draw the line and what you say no yeah. to. And if you can do that, then you can focus and really put your effort into what you want to say yes
0: to. So the other my kind of summary, just a practical tip again for people that are listening, because I can I can almost like hear people's voices now saying, Well, that's great if you've got money. Because yeah, you can delegate stuff and you can prioritize thinking time over doing time. But what do I do if I'm a startup? What do I do if I'm a one-man band, one-person band? What you do is you spend the first year or 18 months honing your craft, being with your clients, delivering great work, building your reserves. The key thing is don't keep paying yourself whatever you earn. Keep building your reserves. And after 18 months, two years, you might have a pot of 10, 20, 30,000 pound in reserve that's free cash to invest and then you start investing in third parties or employees, freelancers, offshore resources to do stuff that you don't have to do that frees up your time to grow your business. And the flywheel starts to turn.
1: Yeah, you learn to delegate. Like I used to do admin and finance at the weekend, which I wouldn't advise, but it's yeah. what you need to do in the early stages. And if you can do that and then bring in a bookkeeper or an accountancy or whatever you need then yeah of course you'll delegate that that's not my strength but you can't afford to do everything at first you just need to find at different levels where you can delegate and ultimately i think you end up finding people that are better than you and more passionate about those tasks than you will be and it takes you
0: forward but you need to build financial reserves to be able to do that because you've always got to invest ahead of where the revenue is going to come from and that's the challenge that i think most entrepreneurs face is how do i break out well you break out by not yourself bluntly it's really hard but you don't pay yourself much for many years you build the reserves up you invest in other people and eventually one day you start to make some money yeah but it could be a long time coming oh yeah no definitely definitely could be a long time coming but <laughs> but
1: yeah no it's step it's step by step actually like again i know i've done my wrap-up but i think the one thing i've learned is don't get too carried away with the long term. It's thinking about what's the next step, what's the next step, what's the next step, and then appreciating looking back on that journey to see how far you've come. Because it's like yeah. climbing up a mountain. It's like you don't leap to the top. You've got, and it, you might go down as much as you go up in the early stages, but
0: eventually you'll start to climb. And I think that's the big thing. We talked about it yesterday, didn't we, on the call with the team. You know, it's critical you have a destination, but every day, If we're sailing a boat to that destination, you'll tack with the wind, you know, other traffic that's in the channel, you know, the sea conditions. You'll tack there, but you need to keep an eye on where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. I enjoyed that. I look forward to next week's. Yeah, me too. I think that's a good place to end it. (laughs) Thanks for that, Mike. Definitely. Thanks, Kevin.